This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, New Life. I'm Linda Shaley. I'm one of the spiritual stewards here at New Life. We have a special day planned today, um, but before we get started, I'd like to lead us all in prayer. Gracious Father, we are so very grateful to be gathered here today, all of us. This is a special day in the history and the story of new life. It's a day of new beginnings, and it's a day of, I'm not going to say endings, transitions, new beginnings and transitions. And it's a day when we're going to hear from Pastor Ron and Monica a little bit about their journey, and it's a day of looking forward. So today we are grateful for your presence as we gather and pray and listen and hear your word. But we also think and pray for the world, Lord, for those who are suffering, for those who are experiencing joy, for those who are a transition out in the world, and for those who need our prayers. Lord, we know you are with them as you are with us here today. We are so grateful for your presence. And as we do each week, we're going to pray for another church in Petaluma. So today we pray for St. John's Anglican Church. So thank you, Lord, for gathering us here today. And let us have our hearts and minds open as we hear your word. Amen. So it is a special, uh, special Sunday, like Linda said, a, a Sunday of, of transitions. As uh, this is the, the last teaching that Ron is going to give us as our lead pastor for 25 years uh, here at New Life. So we just want to have a little conversation with uh, Ron and Monica as we get started. So I'd like to welcome up uh, this morning Ron and Monica Hunt. like the encore at a really great concert, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. So we're going to take, Bill and I are going to take turns asking you guys questions. So Ron, as you sit in this moment and reflect, what are you most proud of at New Life? Oh my We're going goodness. to start with a tough one. Yeah, thanks for starting with the easy one. Um, I was telling some people this morning, I have loved really every minute of being a pastor. Even the tough times, I have really loved. And um, oh, I did a little counting this morning, 54 years, one month, and three weeks. I have been pastoring churches. And there are four things that immediately come to mind. Uh, one is, Monica and I have three children. And all three of our children have invested 
really heavily in this church. Uh, Anthony, our son, was our worship leader for the first two years. Uh, Lisa, our next oldest, led, was a key volunteer leader in our next-gen ministry for over 20 years. And Angela, our youngest, was on our pastoral staff for over 20 years. And uh, I think maybe that stands as the most fulfilling. I have, I love the reputation our church has in our town. I'm thinking of a story a couple of years ago, now more than that. Um, we were working with a convicted sexual predator who really wanted to get their life right. And we wanted to be able to do that safely in a church setting. And I remember meeting with a lieutenant from the police department in our town. And this is how he described our church. He said, Ron, I know new life. And I know you guys want to help everybody. And I know that new life is probably the only church in this town that this person could go to. And I know you want to do this safely. And he said, I would not change any of those things about new life. I, I just thought that was a wonderful way to describe our church. Um, so the loving atmosphere. Um, the way that God has used new life to change our city's perception of Jesus is amazing. When I first came here, and I met with a couple of our city council members, they clearly considered churches a threat to the community. Um, and later on this week, I'm going to a meeting where city officials are pressing into how can we make better use of churches to help our people in times of need? How about that? That I am so happy about that. And then the last thing that I would like to say is I am so blown away by how our church loves and cares for people. It is the hallmark of our church, and it's the hallmark of what Jesus said. So when it comes to things I'm proud of, I'm really proud of that. Thank you. So, Monica, with that in mind, um, so what has <laughs> What is helping build new life? Because you were a big part of building this church. What is helping build new life uh, meant to you? Uh, um, <clears throat> well, my mind kind of goes back to the fact that um, I was really young in dreaming what a church should be. And I was pretty sure uh, I started reading my Bible by myself in um, high school. And I can remember running upstairs after I was in Ephesians. Ron, that just occurred to me that it was Ephesians that I was reading. And I went up to mom. It was breakfast time, and I needed to get off to school. And I said to her, Mom, and I read her four verses out of Ephesians. Don't remember which ones. But she, I said, Mom, our church doesn't do this. <laughs> and I was quite alarmed. I mean, 
a lot of you that know me, what, something broken? We gotta fix it. <laughs> so, um, you know, and then my dad came up and, and he, he was very knowledgeable in the scriptures too. And he said, oh, that's been my problem all along. He really, it really bothered him. And they were some of the many things that Ron has been preaching about for so long here. And uh, I, I think that I, I look back now at, um, we went, the little black church that we were in that in North Portland um, was so eye-opening. Each church we've been in, which is just really three, we had his original one in Missouri, but um, the Portland one, oh no, two Portlands, Hawaii and here. And each one we learned something more or became more um, dedicated to the next time, you know, this is what we want to do here. And um, I just look back on Ron's original um, phone call. They said, would you come, um, would you consider coming and starting a church? We need some church planters. And I was in the living room with him, and I didn't hear the other person talking. But I kept hearing, oh, I don't think so. Uh, I really don't know what anything about that. And, yeah, I think the final answer would be no. And he got off the phone, and, and my, this is the relationship we have. Um, hey, what was that phone call about? <laughs> Nosy me. And he said, oh, he wants somebody that's a church planning organization that wants us to go to a Northern California and start a church. And I said, you said no? And he goes, Monica, I don't know anything about that. I mean, how do you plant a church? <laughs> and I said, well, at least we pray about it first. We've never said no without praying about it. And it's true, for years, he would come say, just, would you please pray with me about going to Minnesota or Florida or Illinois? I mean, there was all these calls that he was getting, but he always asked me to pray. And he turned right around in that living room and went back to the wall and called that guy back and said, you know, I should pray about that. <laughs> oh, I think that's so funny because God at that moment, I think, said, and we're off. <laughs> I can't wait to see. But, you know, it, it, everything we got here when we, when we got here was negative, negative, negative about churches and starting churches. And they're going, you're going to what? And the city uh, manager or somebody, I forget what she was at the time, and she said, don't we have enough churches? And um, I just remember that it was such a special thing. When we started getting things started and some of you guys followed along and created teams that did things, and not just not the wonderful people that fixed the building and fixed the property and that kind of thing, but people that actually we had so many things that were helping people out in the community. And it was just warm and wonderful. So it kind of makes saying goodbye hard. <laughs> Harder. Yes. Well, we are so thankful that God spoke right through you and told Ron to call that person back. <laughs> just, just so you know, you're going to see that on a slide a little bit later. She stole my thunder. There's nothing new in that either. <laughs> so, Ron, I'm sure some people are wondering what's next, and are we still going to see you around New Life? Oh, 
That's a great question, and fortunately, we have an answer for that. Uh, number one, Monica and I are not moving anywhere. We are going to stay right here in Petaluma. Uh, number two, we're not going to go to another church. We're going to continue to go right here. Right. Where else would we go, right? <laughs> uh, we love this church. We love all of you. So um, I am, as of this week, stepping off of all leadership teams in our church. Um, but I will continue to speak every couple of months at New Life. Uh, if Shane and Lori want to go on vacation, uh, I'll be happy to be the fill-in guy and um, and speak uh, in Shane's place. Um, and we're here's the great thing about us: we're the same out here as we are up here. So when we come to church, we're going to be the same. I don't hug you because I'm the lead pastor. I hug you because I love you. Okay, I will still love you. I will still hug you. I'll still be the same guy. Monica will still be the same lady. We will, however, volunteer like you guys do. So if you see me on a guest services team, they found a job I can handle. <laughs> and you're not retiring, right? You know, at effective today, right? You're going to be around. No, uh, in fact, I'm going to stay on staff until August 15th, so another month. Which August, happens to be. That is my birthday. I am retiring on my birthday. How fun is that? So, Monica, what are you most looking forward to uh, when Ron retires? And is there anything that you're not looking forward to necessarily? <laughs> I'll tell you what, Bill. I really do wonder. It's just occurred to me in the last week or so that maybe all of this health issues happened so that Ron had to spend a little more time with me. <laughs> know what it's like at home. Because it really, I mean, you know, it was hard for him to work from home. Um, he somehow feels like he gets more done here. I don't believe that, but for a minute. <laughs> he closes the, de the office door and I leave him alone. And um, but he has had to help me a lot, and especially this last surgeries, he was kind of the main guy. And uh, so I am looking forward to being healthier and being able to do things with him. Um, we are such um, a a good pair relationally and spiritually. So no, it doesn't. I mean, there'll be some travel. There'll be some. I'd love to get back to hiking again um, and walking. It would be wonderful for that. And, um, yeah, I, I think maybe, Bill, one of the things that I would will really enjoy is you know you know him best. And I bet, I bet you more than once you all have had to tell him to slow down, you know. But that is his thing. If you call and you need, he goes. And he even has a separate person that makes his appointments, if you know that. And so he often doesn't even know what his day is going to look like. And so I kind of, those of you that know me well, know that Starbucks was my place to go find people when I was so tired of my little house. 
but he has now probably for three or four months been going at least once a week and we sit down and we get my calendar has his things on it so I know where we fit it'd be nice to have that we get to do our things first mm. that we don't have so many demanding things I think that's going to be fun not any don't anybody feel guilty not it's and we'll still help but um you know I just think that there'll be a little less demand mm. yeah well, you, you've earned that, for sure. You notice I meet her at her office. <laughs> we should have bought Starbucks stock a long time ago. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that I agree to. But y'all could have, here's a new prayer request, um, that we fit in our little house when he gets done with his office cleaning. That's a little worry. I mean, we're going to have us a major throwout, and I keep warning him now that, Okay, we're going to have to go through all the pantry to get ready for your all of his cooking things. He's taken over my pantry with his spices and all of that stuff. And the office, he calls that my room, and I did, I did design it, but it's not mine anymore. <laughs> okay, Ron, I happen to know you have your own man cave out back, so just yeah, give yeah, her yeah, back yeah. her space. So, Ron, anytime you're in a job that you love and care about, when you leave, a piece of your heart stays behind. Right. So as you're transitioning, how do you feel about the future of new life? Oh, that's such a great question. I am very excited about the future of our church. I, Shane, our new lead pastor, and I have been talking almost every day now for the last month, month and a half. And by the way, they are here. They are in town. They landed in town last night about six o'clock. So next Sunday, Shane will be here and leading our church. And um, I, I have a couple of things I want to say about that. Uh, number one, I have thoroughly enjoyed being the planting and founding pastor of our church and lead pastor of our church. I have thoroughly enjoyed the whole experience. I love the fact that Shane and I look a lot alike. Okay? He's a handsome guy, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I do want to say this. Shane comes here. When I landed here, I was 46 years of age, and I had 28 years of ministry experience. So I wasn't a rookie, but in the last 26 years, I have learned and, and I have grown as a leader and I've developed skills I didn't have 26 years ago, even though I had 28 years of ministry experience. I was on the phone with Shane yesterday and I, and I shared with him, hey, you want to hear something interesting? When I came here, I had 28 years of ministry experience. Friends, Shane is coming to our church with 28 years of ministry experience. How about that? But here's what I want to say to you. You have been patient with me, and you have been loving toward me, and you have allowed me to grow and learn as a church leader over the last 26 years. 
And one of my concerns is that Shane looks like me, so you're going to expect him to be me. Can't do that. Shane is his own guy. And in the same way you have been patient with me and allowed me to grow and learn, with all of my heart, I want to ask you, be patient with him. Allow him to grow and learn. His heart is so for you. His heart is so for Jesus. Um, when I texted him yesterday, and and then he called me back as they were driving, and they had just crossed the California border. I, this is what he said to me. He said, Ron, I feel like I'm coming home. And they've never lived in California. But this is their home. And I am excited about the future of our church because God has brought us a leader who wants to learn, who wants to grow, who loves people exactly like I love people, who's in real alignment with who we are as a church and who is just eager to spend the rest of his life loving us and leading us. And I am super excited about that. So I know Ron has a message for us today that we'll let him give in just a minute, but I want to assure everyone that we are planning a proper retirement celebration that will happen within the next several weeks, and you'll be hearing lots more about that. So that's something we can all look forward to. So thank you, Ron thank and Monica. You, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. Well, that was fun, huh? Yes. I can tell you both Monica and I meant every word of it. And I want to remind you, we will be the same people we have always been. And I know a number of you have been concerned that somehow after I retire, I will feel purposeless, and I won't know what to do, okay? Or some of you have worried that I'll just fill my retirement with more work, which I know I could do that. Oh, thanks. Um, that's the amazing thing about influence. You don't turn it off. It continues to flow. So I, will, I'm, I am a pastor. I don't know how to be anything else, okay? So I will be pastoring people, just not from here, okay? Uh, I, when you see me at Safeway, I'll be hugging people. That's just how I roll, all right? And I, I don't want you to feel any different about me than you always have. Are you up for that? Yeah, okay. Thank you. As I pondered what I wanted to say on my last Sunday as your lead pastor, um, I have a short teaching, maybe 15 minutes. So you can pray about that over the next 15 minutes. <laughs> that might require a Christmas miracle. But anyhow, here we go. Um, there are, there's just a handful of things that I want to share with you. And I want to share with you a little of my story and actually, I want to share with you how his story became my story, 
which became our story. Okay? So uh, let's start with an understanding that I think is important for us all to know, and that is history, in the end, is actually his story. And that's not just a play on words, because the truth is that only the parts of human history that are included in Jesus' eternal story actually endure. Everything else goes away. So in the end, history will really be only his story. And that's important for us to know. So then that brings up a very big question. And the big question is this. How can I make sure that my story is part of his story? Because if my story is part of his story, then my story endures. Does that make sense to everybody? That's a big deal. So the answer is simpler than you might imagine. And the answer is this. When I attach my life to the presence and the power of Jesus, he makes sure my story is permanently a part of his story. And if you were here last week, we got out the space shuttle and we got out the main rocket and the booster rockets and we said that the space shuttle is powerless to leave the pole of Earth's gravity, but when you attach it to the rocket, it has the power to take the shuttle where the shuttle could not go. That's also a wonderful picture of how my story becomes part of his story, right? Yeah, that's why it's important. Now, here's how this looked in my life. My father was a pastor and was till the day he died. And my parents believed in teaching children faith very young. And I have been told by my mother, who is still alive, that I knew all 66 books of the Bible in order by the time I was two. Imagine that. I still remember the very first verse of the Bible I committed to memory. Here it is on the screen. 1 John 4, 8. God is love. I was three when I memorized that verse. Little did I know how prophetic that would be about my life. That those three words would redefine how I looked at God and how I understood him and how I would build a church around those three words. God is love. And yet, God introduced me to that concept when I was three. And already, he was working to make sure that my story could be part of his story. Now, fast forward 10 years. I'm 13 years of age. I'm sitting in a church. My dad is the pastor. And my dad references a passage in the Bible. And back in those days, we didn't have videos and slides and all that stuff. Everybody brought their Bible to church, hard copy Bible to the church. There was no Bible on your phone. 
Nobody even brought their phone to church, right? I know I'm old as dirt. (laughs) So I got out my Bible and I looked up Acts chapter 2. And this is the passage that I read. Everyone felt a sense of awe because the apostles were doing many signs and wonders among them, talking about this first church. Goes on to say there was an intense sense of togetherness. Don't you like that description? An intense sense of togetherness. Among all who believed, they openly shared all their material possessions with each other. Many sold possessions and goods and used the money to help everyone in need. They were unified as they worshiped at the temple day after day. It goes on to say, in homes, they broke bread and shared meals with glad and generous hearts. The new disciples praised God and they enjoyed the goodwill of all the people in the city. And day after day, the Lord added to their number everyone who was being saved. I was a seventh grader in church. And I read that passage, and I was captivated by this church that I was reading about. And I remember processing a number of things. I don't have a clue what my dad was talking about. I tuned him out. Okay. I was so captivated by this description of this church. And I remember processing with God. When I read about this church, and then I look at this church, even though it's a good church, but there's a big difference between the church where I'm sitting and this church I'm reading about. And I was really conflicted in my spirit, and I began to process it with God. And and I remember realizing, remember when you were in kindergarten and you played this game, one of these is not like the other? I literally sat in church and played that game. One of these is not like the other. And then I began to pray. God, I I don't even know if I'm supposed to pray like this anywhere, let alone in church. But if it's all right with you someday, I would like to be part of a church like this one I'm reading about. I don't even know if one of those exists. I've never seen one. I've never been to one. But I know that my heart is captivated by that church. Now, I couldn't have verbalized it all, but looking back later, there were some things that intuitively I realized and three major ones, and here they are on the screen. First of all, going to this church that I was reading about in the Bible was exciting because God was present every time they met, and he was changing lives in a big-time way. Now, the people where I was going to church were happy to be there, but I don't think you would describe any of them as excited to be there. 
And when you're talking about life change, they were all pretty much the same as they had always been for years and years and years. Right? So, one of the things I love about New Life, every Sunday, multiple people who are here, their lives forever change. And I know that because you come and tell me. It's amazing. And I remind our worship teams and guest services teams all the time. You, we don't know who it is, but today, people's lives are going to change in a big way. The second thing is people loved each other so much in this church that some sold their personal possessions and gave money to the church to help those who were in need. Wow. I had been going to that church. I was 13. I'd been going to that church for 13 years. And not once in 13 years had anybody sold anything and given it to the church that I knew of. Certainly not houses or lands. I don't have time to tell you this story this morning. But when this church was getting ready to try to buy this property, we were three weeks from the end of our due diligence period, and we were $600,000 short of what it would take. And people literally cashed in 401ks and turned over their inheritances and God closed a $600,000 gap in three weeks through the generosity of the people of this church. And number three, the church had a profound and deeply positive effect on the community. I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but one day I was in the ER room at Petaluma Valley Hospital. And there was a lady from our church who was in the, who was in the, I'm sorry, I was in the intensive care unit of the, of the hospital here in town. And a, one of the ladies in our church was dying in one of the intensive care unit rooms. And I went in and I took her by the hand and I prayed with her. Um, and I walked out and as I was walking past the nurse's station on the way out of intensive care, the nurse back there stopped me and said, sir, could you talk with me for a minute? I said, sure. Uh, how can I help? She said, what'd you do when you were in there? I said, I just held her hand and prayed. She said, that woman has been in here for five days and all of her counts are steadily going down. And from the moment that you were in that room, all of her counts have normalized and she could actually go home now. That wasn't me. That was God, right? But here's what I want. She said, and I told her, I just prayed. She said, are you a pastor? I said, well, yeah, I am. And she said, what church? And I said, new life. I, I kid you not, she rolled her eyes. She said, I don't go to church. But if I did, it would be new life because you guys are that, I, I love this. I wanted to kiss her for saying this. You're that young, hip church. 
<laughs> I said, you have no idea how old my hips are. <laughs> You're that young hip church that loves everybody and helps everybody. Is that awesome? Ah, oh, I, I was so happy. I went out of there walking on air. I said, God, you did it. You did it. Here's what I want us to learn. Because these stories are not actually about me. They're part of my story. They're not actually about me. And here's the lesson for the morning. The most profound moments in my life have always been when I was engaging with God. Could we just stop right there? If you want profound moments in life, then you just start engaging with God. Don't read your Bible so you can check it off your list. Don't pray because you have a whole list of things you've made that you need to pray for and you run down through your grocery list. I'm talking about engage with God. Like I did as a 13-year-old kid sitting in church. When something captured my attention, I didn't know. I had never been trained how to engage with God. The churches I grew up in never used that terminology. But somehow I knew I needed to talk to God about that. And as I talked with God, this is where the rest of it comes in. And it wasn't usually about what I was saying to God that produced the change. It was about what I heard God say to me. The most profound moments in your life will be when you have engaged with God to the point that you hear from him. We shouldn't be surprised because Jesus said this in John chapter 10. Jesus said the good shepherd's sheep follow him because they what? Know his voice. If I could pray anything for you, it's that you would learn to know the voice of Jesus. He's talking to you already. Learn to identify it. Listen for it. Listen to it. And then he's going to ask you to do stuff that makes no sense to you. And do it anyway. Okay? Because the next thing that was part of my story, you got to, no, it wasn't the next thing. You got to fast forward 33 years. I'm 46 years old. I'm standing, and Monica already stole my thunder. I'm standing in the dining room of our house in Honolulu, Hawaii, and a good friend of mine by the name of Warren is on the phone, and he said, he asked me this question, Ron, are you interested in starting a church from scratch? Uh, why would I be interested in that? Yeah, so we have this conversation, and, and you already heard Monica say, actually, what I said to Warren, and I'm pretty sure these are the exact words, uh, no, Warren, that doesn't seem wise to me. <laughs> Monica, who has a wonderful way of being direct, and if you know Monica well, she has the skill of being direct without being abrupt or without being offensive, but she is direct. She said, what was that conversation about? I said, can you believe it? That guy wants to know if I want to plant a church. 
She said, well, you said no. Yeah. She goes, that's so unlike you. I've never known you to say no without at least praying. And listen to this. That doesn't seem wise to me. She took my own words and just set them back to me. So I want you to know that if there was no Monica, there would be no new life. Okay? So skipping through a bunch of the story, a couple of months later, I'm on an airplane. I'm flying from Honolulu to California to start this church. And I'm sitting on the plane. My family has gone on ahead of me. And one of the guys that um, was a member of the church was, was way up in Continental Airlines. And when I showed up to fly out of Honolulu uh, to fly here, uh, he was at the ticket station and he says to the ticket agent, I'll take care of Mr. Hunt. And they said, oh, okay. And he disappears and he comes back in about two minutes and he has a ticket for me and it's seat 1A. I'm sitting in first class, right? And I needed, I, that was so helpful for me because it was quiet and I had time to reflect and I'm by myself and I start processing with God. And one of the first questions I ask God is this, are you sure? <laughs> You're taking me to a town where I literally don't know a single person. And you're asking me to do something I literally don't know anything about. I don't even know anyone who has successfully started a church from scratch. And from what I hear, no one goes to church in this town, or almost no one. How do you think that's going to be successful? And I just wait. I've said my piece. <laughs> and God points me to the story of Moses. And here's what he pointed me to. When God said to Moses, go down to Egypt to Pharaoh and tell him, God says, let my people go. And I want you to march them right out of the country and out of slavery. Moses says to God, are you sure? <laughs> Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I could relate to that. And then what God pointed me to was the end of that verse. And God said, I will be with you. God said to me, I don't care if you've never been to this town before. I don't care if almost no one goes to church. I don't care if you've never done this before. I don't care if you don't even know anybody in this town. I will be with you, and that's all you need. Wow. That's why I said a while ago, when God tells you to do something, do it even if it doesn't make sense, because he'll be with you. So I continued to process things with God. Okay. I'm going. I'm, I'm in. I mean, obviously, I am. I'm on the plane, and I quit my other job, so I'm in. And then I had a question. Ooh. 
What's this going to look like? What kind of a church do you want me to start? I kid you not. This was the next message I got from God. He said, Ron, do you remember what you prayed when you were 13, sitting in church? He said, you wanted to be part of a church like that one you read about. He said, let's go build one together. I started to cry. God had been working 33 years to answer that prayer that I thought he had forgotten about a long time ago. He hadn't forgotten. And he said, let's go build one of those together. And I said, but God, what, how do I do that? <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. I've never seen one. I've never been in one. How do I do that? And he said three things very clearly to me as I was riding on that, on that plane. Number one, don't just start a church, pastor the whole community. So I want you to pastor the whole community. And in the process of doing that, I want you to start a church. That's why from day one, I've gone to city council meetings. I've worked with the mayor. I've worked with the city council members, the chief of police, the fire chief, the city manager, uh, just across the board, the Chamber of Commerce, all, all kinds of stuff. Why? Because God said, pastor the city. I'd never done that before. I don't have time to tell you about stories where I was scared to the point I could not breathe properly because I was in an environment I'd never been in before and I didn't know what to do. I just knew God told me to be there, so I went. Number two, he said, build a culture in the church around these three things. These are not going to surprise any of you. Number one, unconditional love. Build that culture into the church. Number two, immediate and full acceptance of everyone, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, no matter what they look like, no matter how they identify in terms of gender, it doesn't make a difference. We don't care. We don't care what they're guilty of, what they're not guilty of. We don't care how old they are, how young they are, male, female. We don't care. Immediate and full acceptance. And number three, build a culture of radical generosity. Every year, we, the people of this church, give away thousands and thousands of dollars to help the people in our world. Because you know what God said to me? While the world does not relate to theology, the world finds it virtually impossible to reject unconditional love, full acceptance, and radical generosity. No one can turn that down. And then the last thing that God said to me was, give your life to the people of Petaluma, not just the people of the church. I said a while ago, learn to hear and recognize the voice of God. And I already gave you an example of how God talked to me through my wife. Sometimes it's hard to hear the voice of God through your spouse. Have you noticed? Okay. 
I want to give you an even more ridiculous thing that God spoke through. So this is a five-hour flight, and I've been processing stuff with God. So I think, okay, I need a break. This is so intense. And, and so I turn on a movie, and back in the day, there was a movie that had just come out, and the name of the movie was Dave. And it, it's a funny movie about the president of our country has some very significant moral problems that end up to be health problems. And for a number of reasons, uh, the vice president uh, decides that they can't declare the president unfit to serve. They have to find a lookalike for the president and send him out to pretend to be the president. And as the plot of the movie goes, they find a guy by the name of Dave, and he's a stand-in for the president. Silly movie, as you might imagine. So on the way to the very first event where Dave is going to impersonate the president, he's being driven to the event by a very no-nonsense, tough-as-nails head of Secret Service, right? The guy has the bomber sunglasses you can't see through, and he has a haircut like mine, shaved, and I mean, he's just all business. And Dave is kind of a goofball. So on the way there, Dave looks over at him. He's not saying a word. Dave says, hey, dude, would you take a bullet for me? The guy looks at him, doesn't even respond, just keeps driving. Because the guy knows Dave's not the real president. He's not taking any bullet for that joker. And he just keeps driving. When you fast forward to the end of the movie, Dave's done a great job, and, and I won't tell you how the whole story ends, but Dave is leaving the White House grounds for the last time, and he's being driven by the same guy in the same vehicle. And the guy, the Secret Service guy, is the first to break the challenge, the silence. And he turns to Dave, and he says, Hey, man. I would take a bullet for you now. This is when the Holy Spirit decided to speak to me in a movie. (laughs) Right? And I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, Ron, would you take a bullet for the people of Petaluma? Literally, would you take a bullet for them? That's a heavy question. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't even know any of them. (laughs) And yet God is sending me to this town to reach the people of Petaluma. And he's asking me, Ron, would you take a bullet for them? And while I'm contemplating my answer, I hear Jesus say, Aran, I just want to remind you, I already did take a bullet for them on the cross. Now, what I want to know is, will you join me in giving your life for the people? Not just the people of the church. Would you give your life for the people of Petaluma? I was, I was so moved. I 
I started crying. I said, God, I'm in. I'm in. I will love the people of Petaluma with every fiber of my being. And I will serve him every way I can. And that is how his story became my story, became our story. Now. Thank you. you. Just go ahead and stay standing because I'm going to pray here in just a minute, all right? But I want to read you one thing because there's a big question I was asked a while ago. Why am I so excited about the future of our church? And I don't want, you, I don't want any of us to miss this. Because from its inception, New Life has always been a church that God owns, that God leads, and that God provides for. This church belongs to him. It doesn't belong to us. It doesn't belong to me, and it's not going to belong to Shane. And as excited as I am about Shane and Lori coming, the future health, security, and success of our church does not primarily depend on Shane and Lori, just like it has never primarily depended on me. Here it is. It continues to depend on our engagement with God and our openness to follow his leading wherever he takes us. Would you agree with that? Yes. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for the amazing moments of our lives. Thank you for helping us this morning kind of peel the onion all the way down to the core. Thank you for working in my life to bring me here. Thank you for working in everybody's life who's here to bring all of us together. Would you help us to learn how to hear your voice? And would you give us faith to follow wherever you lead? And as Shane comes to be our pastor, I know he loves you. I know he hears from you. Would you give us grace to follow as he leads us and as you lead us so that we might be a church? When Jesus comes, however long that is, if it's, even if it's generations, from now, would you help New Life to still be a church that has unconditional love, immediate and full acceptance, and radical generosity because we are loving people the way you love us. We are so grateful, and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.